welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar-related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are sharing short stories from the couch. This is just maybe a win, maybe a story, maybe something that is out there that interests us, that is meant to take maybe 10-15 minutes to share. So, Lloyd, it is great to have you here today to give a short story on the couch. So, thank you, Lloyd, for being a part of Short Stories from the Couch. I love being here. Yeah, it's great to have you. I would like to invite you to give just a short story, maybe something from on tour. You've actually had a fantastic career, really. When you look at all (laughs) of the things that you have done, you have gone from you know, just doing regular, like, ministry, sleeping on couches and floors, all the way up mm-hmm. to going overseas and and touring and having, like, the, the best of life. And so, I'm, I'm inviting you to say whatever story you would like to. Give me just a short story, 10, 15 minutes, something that happened to you. Um, Michael Bridges from the band Lost and Found. Years ago, oh. we had a conversation about... The difference between fame and fortune. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that they, you know, you used to always think that they, they go hand in hand, but they are uh, quite opposite of each other. You yeah. Know, that they don't really connect at all. Sometimes there is some connection of fame and fortune, and that's like the 1% in the world. Right. And, and so you're saying I've had quite a career. It makes me laugh. Because in some ways, yeah, I, you know, I've been all over the place. I've played from... Uh, really small stages. I've played numerous times for uh, 20, 30,000 people at a time. So as a musician, you say, oh, that's, that's pretty successful. Yeah. Um, and yet I don't have a dime to my name to show for it. Yeah. So what are you going to do? <laughs> but um, what I was thinking about was uh, the first thing that popped in my mind was uh, one of the earliest bands that I was with, you know, was with the Youth Encounter group. You know, we were the first Watermark team that was put together or band that was put together. Seven of us guys that we went over to Europe. Now, So is that what the Watermark group is? Is it's a group that goes over across seas? The Watermark group was uh, the group that played specifically in, in Europe, mostly in Germany. Oh, okay. Um, and we were, we were one of the first, we were the first one to do that. And we actually traveled over there. It was just about a year when the wall came down. So we're talking 1990. So we're going back 30 years now. But this is when I was a young pup. I was only, I actually turned 21 in Berlin. And I traveled with this, uh, a bunch of other great friends and musicians. And uh, we we got to tour Europe and specifically East Germany. Wow. Right after the wall came down. So people think that it was just, you know, you hear about the wall that was around Berlin. It wasn't just Berlin that had a wall around it. All of Germany had a big, very large steel fence that was patrolled that went right down the middle of Germany. So you had the east side of Germany and the west side of Germany. And so we were able to go over there just under a year after, you know, after Reagan had said, Gorbachev, tear down that wall and made it happen. The organization, Youth Encounter, that we played for, got us booked for a tour over there in the eastern, the former eastern bloc of Germany. And Amazing. Yeah, it was a really, it was a really fun time. And, and needless to say, we had a lot of, uh, um, we're, we're really excited about it. And so I remember 
driving from the west side of Germany into the east side of Germany through one of the big steel gates, the big steel fences that they literally had just cut the fence down. And we're talking about a fence that was 20 feet high. Yeah. And they just cut sections out of it so you could drive right on through. Now, remember, since World War II, you hadn't been able to go across here. Oh, yeah. And that ended in 1945. So here yeah, we are so, in 1990. Yeah, we're talking about like 45 years of yeah. mm-hmm. you cannot cross here freely. Yes. Oh, my god. And here we are. Here we are crossing that line less than a year after this this wall slash fence had gone down. So cool. And I remember the distinct difference. It was like driving into a black and white movie. On the western side of Germany, it was, you know, everything was green and flowery and clean. And that was a big thing. And the roads were well kept. Yeah. You crossed onto the east side. And it was like nothing had changed since World War II. Nothing. Wow. And the vehicles that they had were uh, really cheap vehicles they called trobbies. They were just little pieces of, of fiberglass with wheels. And these things weren't worth anything. And that was the only vehicle anybody had. You know, think about that. Crazy. And, and so when these vehicles would die or break down, people would just leave them alongside the road. So we'd cross that fence and you'd get, you would get into these old roads that haven't been kept up at all. And there would be just these remnants of vehicles just scattered all over the place. Wow. And so I remember going into one town and there was a, uh, a block uh, shed right on the outskirts of town. And it was probably 30 feet long, 20 feet tall. And I saw a line from a machine gun bullets that went up the side of the shed. You could just see the holes riveted, just make a like dotted line all the way across the concrete going up the shed. And, and that was really the day I was like, oh, wow. I mean, this feels like we're back in World War II. Oh, yeah. Because nothing, and nothing had been repaired. That was, here we are 45 years later, and the bullet holes were still visible in the walls of the building. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe what we are about to get into, but we need to take a break for our sponsors. So let's have a couple of sponsors, and then let's get right back to this. This is going to be so intriguing. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, family friendly, and camping, then you need to come to LifeFest. In July of 2022, they will have two festivals once again. One at the Sunnyview Fairgrounds in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and the other at the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bonagua, Tennessee. I'll see you there. Let's hear from another sponsor. Since 2003, the Crestman Guitar Company has been repairing stringed instruments and building custom guitars and basses. In 2021, Kretzman started production of a solid body electric guitar with the goal of providing affordable, awesome looking and sounding guitars that anyone, student to expert, would be proud to play and own. Be sure to check them out at kretzmanguitars.com. That's K-R-E-T-Z-M-A-N-N, guitars.com. So 
we would show up at these little towns in Eastern Bloc of Germany, and, the, and our connection would say, well, we had a choice. We could book you at the church. Now, if you remember, um, under Soviet-controlled East Germany, the church was not allowed to worship God. So all the churches that were still standing, nobody went to them. There right. was an underground church, but there was no church uh, Sunday morning going to hang out at, uh, and worship God as we know it here in America. Yeah. And so the churches were open now, and we could play in there as these American kids, you know, American rock band. Uh, we could play there if we wanted, but our contacts said nobody's going to come. So instead, what we would like to do is we would like to set up a stage in the park put you on the stage, invite the community. We'll have a beer tent. We'll make, we'll cook some brats. <laughs> and, and every concert we did every day in Eastern Bloc Germany was like that. It was just a big party. Oh my just gosh, that's beer, amazing. Br- brats in the beer tent and these 20-year-old American kids trying to play every 80s song they knew because <laughs> nobody <laughs> spoke Germany, German, you know. And that's what we did. So really, it was just the David Hasselhoff catalog. Um, if I could go back in time and learn a David Hasselhoff tune, I would so do that. Because he right. was huge there. He, he was, was huge. huge there at the time. He was so big. <laughs> I think, I think Lowell, I'll Lowell was... I'll be ready. I'll be ready. Oh, sorry. That's Baywatch. My bad. Uh, uh. I'm wondering how many people are even know who uh, David Hasselhoff is, and then go. He sang what? Yeah. Night Rider. Yes, people. Come on, this guy. He's That's a big right. Deal. That's right. In Germany, he was huge. Huge. He was the he was the white Michael Jackson of Germany. Yes, he was. Uh, <laughs> and Lowell, actually, to this day, the drummer uh, of the band at that point in time, um, he uh, he has a poster of Days of. <laughs> David, you shouldn't laugh at your own jokes. I don't know if I can get this out. (laughs) (laughs) It's a poster. Okay, everybody close your eyes. Visualize with me. Mm -hmm. A a clawfoot bathtub. Okay? Bubbles all over top of the the edge of the bubble of the bathtub rolling over. (laughs) And yes, David Hasselhoff in the bathtub... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's he's holding a rose. <laughs> uh, of so, course uh, he is. So Lowell has that poster, I think, in his basement. Yeah. Oh my Ooh. gosh! Please tell me it's up and re- hopefully he's not scaring his children now. Mm, I don't know. Uh, and Tara's so, okay with this too, which yeah. which is his wife. So that'd be. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good times. So we had heard. That every, I don't remember how many years it is right now, but all Germany was going to be united under a church festival that was called Kirkentag. And it, Kirkentag. It's, it's a festival that was held every so many years. And it meant, it meant it's translated as Church Day, Kirkentag. And we had been told that they are expecting a million people at Kirkentag. Wow. Now, you know, we're, we're these young 20-year-old kids, and we, we haven't played in very large crowds at all. And our PA, you know, isn't very good, but we have a good time. We do what we do. And so we were very much looking to play at Kirkentalk. So the day came for Kirkentalk. We show up at where we're supposed to play and we are playing on an island that there's a little road that came out the back of the island 
but it was surrounded on it was surrounded by water except for the little it was like a little uh, it was like a moat that went all the way around the island yeah. with just this little road that went came up the back of the stage and it was a permanent stage it was a band shell and I was like oh that's pretty cool except that the distance between you and the people on the other bank of the lake felt like they're about a quarter mile away it was a larger lake than you would it wasn't just a little moat it was yeah. they were really far away yeah. and Interesting, they ran the snake through the water. They just dropped the snake in the lake. And I guess, you know, it was fine. Really? It seemed odd at the time. Yeah, but that's what they did. It worked fine. That's crazy. So the, the stage was cool and everything. But, you know, remember, we had heard a million people. And oh, yeah. we had been looking, out of everything that we were going to do in, in Germany, we were looking forward to playing at Kirkentock Church Day. And there are were are probably, you sure it was a million? It wasn't like some sort of like a translation issue? Apparently you know? so, because we because because we had four people sitting on the bank on the other side. Four, maybe five. <laughs> and Greg Berge, who was our sound person, I, I could hardly even see him. You know, he was on the other bank, and it might have sounded great. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to get excited when you're just you're playing for fish. You know. Yeah. Right. This was our this was our Kirk and Duck thing. So we got done. <laughs> And uh, we went back to um, a gentleman that I think of as Martin Luther. He was a pastor in the underground church. And yeah. I, I just, he, he seemed like this is what Martin Luther was like. And we got back and stayed at his house. And uh, he tried to, because con- he was there, he tried to console us and, you know, tell us, oh, it was great. And, you know, um, well, you know, it's, don't worry about it. You know, tomorrow's another day, that whole thing. And we were all pretty down, actually, because it was just, it was a terrible gig. You know, yeah. it just, it didn't feel good at all. We were not, it, it, was, it was quite a downer. And so Martin Luther, who isn't Martin Luther, but referred to him as Martin Luther, he yeah. decides to make us some beer, beer brats behind the house. And uh, it's a good segue to tell you that he was the one who taught me one of the most valuable lessons in, in life on how to open a beer bottle. Because really? he was sitting there doing his brats, and he asked me to pass him a beer. Now, I handed him the beer. He had an axe in his left hand, and he was cutting up little slivers of wood for kindling to add to the fire. Sure. So he never put that axe down. I handed him the bottle of beer that was had a, uh, you know, not a screw on top, a bottle of beer with a, you would have needed a bottle opener to open this thing up. Yeah. I hand it to him with one hand. He still has the axe in the other hand. I turn, about a half turn, and I see the cap from the beer bottle fly off. And I turn back, I'm like, what just happened there? And there he is standing there with an axe in one hand and the beer bottle in the other. And he became my sensei. And he taught me (laughs) with the, and it it took a while. It was quite a bit of practice, but he showed me with the right amount of leverage, how you could pop off beer caps with pretty much anything. And uh, yeah, I didn't get it at first. And, you know, I'll have to show you sometime. It's really fun to do it with two beer bottles. You can actually wedge. We literally just hang out and you didn't show me this. I mean, this was not. Did we, did we have a bottle of anything? No. Yeah, we had cans. And we and we had plastic <laughs> bottles, but that's not the same thing. <laughs> Doesn't work the same. But you you really you would just you would wedge the top of one bottle. It's hard to describe, I guess, but over your hand, uh, 
and you would get it, hook it underneath a cap of the other bottle and use your finger, finger as the fulcrum. You just get, you have to get just the right amount of tension. You can pop the cap right off without opening the other bottle. It's, uh, it's amazing. That's so, crazy. Yeah. So while we were there eating our brats, we get the phone call that, hey, another slot has opened up to play at Kirk and Tuck tomorrow, too. At which, which time we're like, yay. How great is yeah. this going to be? So maybe there will be seven people. Mm. That's <laughs> so, but we're like, all right, that's why we're here. That's fine. You know, that's good. But we we were pretty down. In fact, Dan, the other guy was playing. He was a bass player in the band. He actually wrote in my journal to that I have to this day. And he just kind of vented in my journal, my daily journal of how how bummed out he was and how lame our that that whole experience was so here yeah. we are the next day and we head up to this uh next and it's a stage that now is in town you know normally set up a stage set up in a parking lot it looks like a real stage a real pa and we're like oh okay you know this might be okay so we set up all our gear you know there's actually uh people there who are like assigned to the stage to help us set up and to run our sound check and you know like do you you know ask the do you have anything everything you need you know how many inputs you need that whole thing and again we're young 20 somethings who weren't we're used to experiencing a very good pa at all and we run our sound check and oh it sounded so good on stage i i have never experienced you know i'm like i hear my guitar really well and and you might remember from being on team being with those bands that I don't know, I, I very rarely heard my guitar because my guitar was always told to be too loud. Yeah. And our monitors were so awful that, you know, that's actually why I used to break a lot of strings because I would hit really hard because I, I got used to, I just thought, well, I, I just, maybe I could hear my guitar better if I play it, my electric right, guitar acoustically. It's very natural. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. I mean, I broke strings daily because of that. So here we are. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hear my vocals. I hear the bass. I hear my guitar. This is the most amazing thing in the world. This is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm, I, I, I want to take this system home with us. So we hop off from our sound check. And then I hear Joel, Joel Setterholm starts going, hey, is my, uh, is my keyboard too loud for you guys? Because um, it's, it's really loud in my monitor. And I just, you know, he's, and then Dan goes, I was thinking the same thing about my bass. It's really loud in my monitor. I was afraid it was too loud for you guys. <laughs> and that's when we all learned about something called individual mixes. Oh, yes. We had never, ever, ever had that in our life. Yes. Being young 20. Yes. And so we're like, what? You mean you can do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny because I remember that time when I was playing with the ministry group and I was playing with Captive Free, part of the Youth Encounter system. And I remember playing and... It was like the front line got one mix, the back line got a second mix, and that was your mix. You were done. Yeah. And when I started playing with Second Adam, they were like, yeah, I mean, we can just do four mixes. It's like, what? Yeah. Four mixes. Yeah. Like, like, is it like everybody gets the same mix somehow, and then you tweak (laughs) a little bit? No, no, no. Everyone gets their own mix. and. It was life-changing. Absolutely yeah, life-changing. Yeah. 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 And that's what we did. We hopped off that stage and had this happening. And the sound system we were using was uh, Tina Turner's European sound sound company, <laughs> her PA system. So Heck it was yeah. all her guys. It was all her guys. And so you were and, just rolling on the river, man. 
oh man, it was great. And so Greg, you know, he goes out front. He's our sound guy, but he wasn't really a sound guy, you know. Yeah. He uh, he knew nothing, you know. He, he he knew how to push a fader up and down. That was about it. Yeah. And mostly down because the churches we played, he was always too loud. So it was mostly <laughs> turn it down and he was really good at that. So he gets up there and, you know, and the sound guy, he looks at Greg. He's like going to turn the controls over to him. And, uh, you know, this is a real sound man. You oh, know? yeah. A real oh, wait, He's PA. simply the best. Great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got it. It was very good. Yeah. yeah. Very good. There you go. Just Google that to find Mary, a Tina Turner song you can fit in. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you did? No, not really, but that's funny. <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't know how to put in simply the best. <laughs> that's good. Better than all the rest. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so Greg, you know, looks at this professional sound guy who actually knows how to run the board, knows about gain structure. And the guy turns to Greg to turn the turn the uh, board over to him, and Greg just goes, "No, I'm good. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah. I'll just stand back here because I really have no business in the world being up here." But, <laughs> but that that what does so that we, knob we, do? What does that knob <laughs> do? Don't touch that. Leave that one alone. Okay. Yes, you're right. You know nothing. Step back. <laughs> so we uh, so we we played uh, about a half an hour. And then there was a little break where there was a uh, speaker going to be doing something. They were going to play another half an hour. Yeah. We played that first half an hour. The place goes nuts. We could have played anything. They're just dancing up and down in the front. And we hop off after that half an hour. And they had a rope on the side of the stage, you know, for security. They had some security people there, too. And we would have gotten mobbed. We would have gotten mobbed, these oh young gosh. boys from America. And, you know, the rope is holding them back. They're wanting pictures. They're wanting us to sign their arms, their shirts, you know, anything. And we're just like, what the heck is going on? And so we're signing all this stuff when they say, hey, you guys are back on. And so we run back on and we do other half an hour set. And we get an encore. Oh, yeah. We've gotten some encores in, uh, in the States from you uh, were you know, David some of the people in the church. Look at you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. God. And the song we played for an encore was one of my early, early songs that I'd written called It's Jesus. Yeah. Remember that tune? Yes. And that was our encore tune because we weren't planning on playing an encore and we hadn't played that one yet. So we're like, all right, we'll play that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, you know, Dan afterwards hopping off there. He was just like, how did it feel to do your song for an encore and them to go nuts over it? And I was like, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty great surreal yep so that was uh that was a fun time you know that whole time in europe you know oh my I, I think gosh, a lot i have was, so so many stories that was fantastic actually you know usually with the short stories i have a little something to add to that but there is nothing to add to that that was a wonderful short story all on its own thanks for sharing yeah absolutely well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you liked what you heard, make sure you leave five stars in a review. Also, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Tweed Couch. Until next time.